Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at Alumni Hall. Make sure to do yourself a favor, guys. Stop in today inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com to pick up all the latest and best 2023 game day gear because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. As for our show today, I am back with part two of our 2023 Scouting the Enemy series, your favorite offseason series to listen to, my favorite offseason series to put together and record. It's a win-win for everybody, and we kicked things off last week with a deep dive into the South Carolina Gamecocks. I know a lot of you have already checked that out, but if you haven't, what are you waiting on? Go ahead, jump on it right after you listen to this episode. Get on that South Carolina episode and get yourself ready for our SEC opener here in a couple of months. But today we are moving on to the Auburn Tigers. And this is a team that most people around the country have very modest expectations for. Their win total, depending on what sports betting site you're looking at, is sitting right now at between six and six and a half going into this season, which tells us that the odds makers see this as roughly a 500 caliber team. But this is also a team that the more I dive into them, the more I start to believe in them. Not like national championship believe in them. Don't get me wrong here. Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. More like exceed expectations and get to maybe seven or eight wins type believing them this year. That's kind of where I am with Auburn right now. But if we would have done this show back in February, I would have been right in line with, with the most of the college football public. I absolutely would not have said that I think Auburn can be a seven or eight win team. I felt very differently, in fact, about this team, even like in March or April, than I do right now. And the reason for that is quite simply the transfer portal. The reality is Auburn simply did not have an SEC caliber roster last year. They didn't. They had a few guys here and there. Obviously, Tank Bigsby was a really good running back. Derek Hall was a good pass rusher. I think they had some solid pieces in the secondary, which we will talk about later on today. But there were some absolutely gaping holes on that roster. So when Hugh Freeze took the job, I had very serious questions about how quickly he would be able to turn this thing around. I do believe that Freeze will turn this Auburn program around in the long term. But my question was, how quickly can you do that? Can you do that in year one? Because 
Brian Harson left him with an absolute mess of a roster. Harson was entirely asleep at the wheel on the recruiting front. So they are essentially two full recruiting classes behind all the best teams in the SEC and the best teams around the country right now. That's where they are, or at least that's where they were. And in years past, go back five, 10 years, it would have taken you at least two or three years to get that roster rebuilt the way that you want to get it rebuilt to the point that you are competing realistically for championships. At least two or three years because you can't replace two years worth of damage, two and a half to maybe even three years worth of damage in one recruiting class. You can't go bring in 40 new players in one recruiting class. At least you couldn't five to 10 years ago. Even as recently as like three years ago, you couldn't do that. But the transfer portal has changed everything. You can completely overhaul your roster in a single offseason. And that is exactly what Hugh Freeze has done. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe that Hugh Freeze has overhauled their roster to the point that they are going to contend for championships. No, go back to what I said. I think this is a team that can exceed expectations and get to maybe seven or eight wins. They brought in some, some guys in the portal that I think can be impact players for them, but they didn't bring in enough of them. There are still too many holes on this roster for them to be a team that can really have any sort of realistic aspirations to compete for championships this season. Now, what Hugh Freeze has done with the transfer portal this year is he has raised the floor. The ceiling still is about where it was. Like This is still maybe an, an eight a team that's going to max out about eight wins. But I also don't think this is a team that's going to drop below 500 this year. I don't think there's, this is going to be a third consecutive losing season for the Auburn Tigers. Because I do believe that Hugh Freeze has addressed a number of their deficiencies in the portal. No, not to the point where they're going to go win 10 or 11 games, but to the point where they can have a solid, respectable season that they can feel good about coming off their first back-to-back losing seasons since 1998-1999. And I do think in the long term, Hugh Freeze will get this program back to contending for championships. I really do believe that. I, I, I'm not a particular fan of Hugh Freeze. In fact, there's a lot of things in his background that, uh, quite frankly, I find abhorrent. But here's what we know about this guy. We know that he has a proven track record as a head coach in the SEC. He went four straight seasons at Ole Miss where he beat at least one team in the, inside the top 10. And that's Ole Miss, guys. That's a program that doesn't have near the resources that he will have at Auburn. I mean, hell, he beat Nick Saban in back-to-back seasons. Who else has done that? Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think anyone has beat Nick Saban in back-to-back seasons since he's been at Alabama. At least nobody other than Hugh Freeze, that is. So he's got the SEC track record. He went to Liberty, and he elevated that program to heights it had never seen before. And perhaps more than anything, he has the recruiting bona fides that Brian Harson quite simply, did not have. And that's a big part of why Brian Harson got fired. Now, there's a lot to that. Obviously, uh, there, there was a, a basically a civil war between the powerful Auburn boosters and their athletic department. That The boosters didn't ever, they never wanted Harson in the first place. They wanted to insert Kevin Steele as the head coach following Gus Malzahn. Alan Green, the Auburn athletic director, threw his weight around and he got his way and he went out west and he hired Brian Harson from Boise State, a guy with absolutely zero SEC ties and really no proven recruiting track record, at least at the Power 5 level. And he brings him in. That's his guy. He stakes his claim to him. So obviously those power players behind the scenes for Auburn, they were never in on Brian Harson. They were hostile to him being on the planes from the very beginning and they were looking for a way to get him out from the very start. 
And then, of course, Harson gave them the pretext that they needed to get him out of there when he went 6-7 and seven and 5-7 and seven in back-to-back seasons. But it really wasn't just the hostility. It wasn't just the losses on the field. Obviously, that all factored into it. But it was also just the lack of hope for the future. Anyone who is paying attention and understands college football and understands how it works, understands the, the importance of recruiting, could look at Brian Harson's lack of recruiting results and simply understand that there was no way that this guy was ever going to get this program over the hump because he simply was not able to acquire the type of talent that he needed to be able to do that. So there's no hope. So he's not winning right now. There's no hope that he's going to win in the future. So what do you do? You cut bait. And I think it was the right move. I, I, it absolutely was the right move for them. They were not going anywhere with Brian Harson. The longer you keep him there, the further into the abyss the program slides. So as soon as you know he's not the guy, you get rid of him. That's what they did. It was the right move. Now, how they went about doing it, starting rumors and all, all the allegations about him, like obviously that was very shady. But based off what he did on the field and the lack of recruiting results, they had to get rid of him. They had to cut bait with him. And I truly do believe that Hugh Freeze was about as good of a hire as they could have made considering the circumstances. Auburn was not really in a position to go out and pay a ton of money for a, a high-profile name. But think about all the guys that they're paying off right now, guys. They're still paying off Gus Malzahn's crazy contract extension they gave him after the 2017 season. Now they got to pay off Brian Harson for the next couple of years. I know they've got money there, but there's only so much money you're willing to cough up to pay off coaches and to fund new coaching salaries. So they had to find a guy that I don't want to say was in the was in the Walmart bargain retro DVD bin, but what they had to look for was a coach with a proven track record with SEC experience that maybe wasn't in a position to demand an outrageous salary. And who fits that bill better than Hugh Freeze? We know what he did at Ole Miss. Now, he, he never won a championship at Ole Miss, but again, it's relative to Ole Miss's traditional standards of success. What he did at Ole Miss was different than what every other coach has done at Ole Miss in recent history. He absolutely elevated that program and brought them a degree of consistent success that they had not experienced in quite some time. Now, did he cheat a little bit in the background to make that happen? Uh, maybe, possibly. Those accusations are certainly out there, and there might be more than just a little bit of evidence to suggest that there's quite a bit of truth to it. But regardless, he has that proven SEC track record. He has the recruiting chops. There is proof of concept that he can go out and recruit top classes, and he'll be able to do that even more so at Auburn, which again has far more resources, and is far more of a, a football tradition, of far more of a, of a brand nationally than Ole Miss does. So he's going to be able to recruit at an even higher level than he ever did at Ole Miss. And that's exactly what Auburn is going to have to do if they ever want to get back to the level where they are realistically competing for championships against the likes of Georgia, against the likes of Alabama and LSU, and maybe even possibly one day A&M if they can ever get their act together. They've got to recruit their way back into that group. You don't just accidentally end up there. You've got to have the players to compete with those teams. Right now, they simply do not have them. Hugh Freeze has the proven ability Again, proof of concept that he can go out there and recruit those types of players, get them into into the Auburn program, and eventually, long-term, build this program back up to a program that, that actually can go out there and compete with the big boys. Now, can he keep his nose clean long enough to make that happen? That remains to be seen. Allegedly, he's a changed man. I would like to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, but you know, when you've got the history that this guy's got, a healthy dose of skepticism is certainly fair. But if he can keep his nose clean, stay out of trouble, long-term, I think he will be a, a very successful coach at Auburn. But that's not what these Scouting the Enemy episodes are about. These episodes are about the here and now. 
the coming season. That's where I want to put our focus for the rest of the show. Long term, yeah, I do think Hugh Freeze is going to be a, a big success at Auburn. I think he's going to be a really good coach. To them. I think he's the guy that they needed at this moment in time in this program's history. But how quickly will he be able to do that? How quickly will you see improvement on the field, noticeable improvement on the field with this Auburn football team? So let's dive into it, guys, and let, let's start on the offensive side of the ball because this was an absolute train wreck for Auburn last year. At least the passing game was a train wreck for Auburn last year. If you look at their offensive numbers from a year ago, what you see is by far, unquestionably, the worst passing offense in the entire league. I mean, every major statistical category, Auburn was at the very bottom of the league. They only completed 51.6% of their passes, only threw for 2,072 yards total on the year. Guys, they only had nine touchdown passes. No, I, I, I did not get that wrong. Nine touchdown passes total in the year. They threw nine touchdowns combined as a team, threw 12 interceptions, only averaged 172 yards passing a game. Not only was that by far the worst in the SEC, it was among the worst in the entire country. And when you are that bad, there's not just one player or one position that you can pin that on. It takes a little bit of everybody to be that bad throwing the football. But saying that, the biggest issue was clearly quarterback. They simply did not have an answer there. TJ Finley, who had transferred over from LSU a couple years ago, he opened the season as their starter, but he did not end the season. In fact, he lasted three games before he was replaced by freshman Robbie Ashford, who went to Hoover High School, not too far down the road from Auburn. Ashford originally started at, at Oregon, never played a down of football there for them, but actually played on their baseball team, but transferred back home to Auburn, battled for the starting job in the preseason. Zach Calzada, remember that name? He was a guy at Texas A&M in 2021. He transferred over to Auburn last year, but he was he was injured and unhealthy during the spring and most of the fall camp, so he never really factored in that conversation. So it was really TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford. Finley ended up getting the nod based on his starting experience and more and the stability that he would bring to the program. But it was very evident from the jump really last season that he was simply was not the guy. And if you pay attention to Auburn in 2021, you could tell, oh yeah, like he, he's not the guy. I mean, if they would have had a halfway decent quarterback option once Bo Nix went down late in 2021, when they played Alabama in the Iron Bowl to end the regular season, they would have beaten Alabama. I mean, it's almost unbelievable that they did not beat Alabama in that game. Like they outplayed the Tide all game long, and they did that with T.J. Finley at quarterback, despite the fact that he was just absolutely atrocious. If they had like just an average quarterback in that game, they probably would have won that game by multiple scores. So I go back to the end of the 21 season when I realized that, yeah, Finley's just not going to be the guy for them. So when he got the job to open last season, I was like, man, it's probably not going to be a great season for Auburn. And lo and behold, he lasts about three games, gets benched in the, uh, in the in the Penn State game. He got hurt for a little while, and he just never was able to recapture that position. It was Robbie Ashford's team the rest of the way. And that was an adventure, to say the least. Now, here's what I can tell you about Robbie Ashford. The dude is an absolutely dynamite athlete in terms of what he can do with his legs. He is explosive. He is powerful. He is quick. He is everything that you want in a quarterback from the mobility standpoint. I mean, that dude, he's not Cam Newton, but I mean, he's the closest thing Auburn's had to Cam Newton since Cam in terms of what he was able to do with his legs. I mean, the guy rushed for over 700 yards last year. He was their second leading rusher behind Tank Bigsby. But as a passer... He was absolutely dreadful. And I mean it, guys. He was dreadful last season as a passer. His 49% completion percentage was the lowest for an Auburn quarterback since 1998. His success rate as a passer last year, guys, was 
5%. That's almost impossible. I'm not even sure how that is possible. I, in fact, I really believe if I went out there this season for Auburn, I could post a better than 36% success rate as a passer. I really do. I mean, maybe not, but you get the idea anyway. Ashford is a guy that has a really, really strong arm, but he has not been able to harness that to this point. Now, he's still really, really young as a football player, really young as a quarterback. I mean, this is a guy, yeah, he played in high school, but again, prior to coming to Auburn, he was over at Oregon, didn't play a snap for Oregon. He was really more of a baseball player. Comes back to Auburn, comes home, and he's kind of learning on the fly, but he was extraordinarily raw as a passer last year. I mean, it was there was everything that was wrong with his game, guys. I mean, yeah, a really strong arm, great athlete, but really struggled to go through progressions. In fact, had no clue what he was doing. He was a one read and take off kind of guy, which when you have legs like he does, I get why you trust them more than your arm. You just take off. That makes a lot of sense, but he simply could not go through progressions, had no idea how to read a defense to save his life, put the ball in harm's way far too often. I mean, yeah, he threw a lot of picks, but there are also a ton of picks that weren't made that should have been made. He probably should have thrown about 20 picks last year. His accuracy was all over the place. I mean, we're talking about guys running open all over the field, just simply could not hit them, throwing the ball behind them, over them, underneath them, completely into the stands, like just crazy, crazy inaccuracy issues. His footwork was a mess. He refused to stand in the pocket. I mean, even the slightest hint of pressure, he's gone. And there was certainly a time and place for that, but there were a lot of plays that he left out, out there on the field that if he just would have stood in the pocket for a, a beat longer, the play would have opened up and Auburn could have had big plays in the passing game, but he just simply didn't have the patience to stand there in the pocket and allow that to happen. He was an absolute disaster as a passer last year, guys. There is no getting around that. That is what he was. He was an abject disaster for them. And that is the primary reason why if you go back to February or March, even April during spring practice, I would not have told you I thought this was an Auburn team that could get to seven or eight wins this year. Because once again, he was going to be their best option. It was going to be him or Holden Grenier, who was a, a young guy who's not ready to be the guy yet either. I mean, when Robbie Ashford has the experience from last year, he has the dynamic athleticism. You like to believe he can improve as a passer. There just weren't the options there in the quarterback room to, to compete with him. He was going to be the guy again. If he was going to be the guy for Auburn in this season, there's no way that I was in bed on them to go over six wins. Not after what I saw from him last year. Not a freaking chance. But Hugh Freeze saw the same thing that I saw. He went through spring practice and said, huh, wow, yeah, we're not where we need to be at quarterback right now. This is not looking good. So what did he do? Well, after spring practice, he dipped in the transfer portal and he brought in Peyton Thorne from Michigan State. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Peyton Thorne is a messiah come to save the Auburn football program. That's not what this guy is, but he's going to bring a level of stability and experience to the Auburn quarterback room that no one else in that room can match. He started 25 games for Michigan State over the past two seasons. In those 25 games, he threw 46 touchdowns to 21 interceptions, way more interceptions than you would like to see. But he's also a guy that led the Spartans to an 11-2 record back in 2021. Now, obviously, Kenneth Walker had a big part to do with that. It wasn't really all Peyton Thorne. But Thorne was an effective option for, for Michigan State at quarterback two years ago. Now, last year, when Kenneth Walker is off the NFL and they don't have the ground game that they had in 2021 and they had to put more on Thorne's shoulders and more on the passing game, it didn't work out so well because he's not that guy. He's not the kind of guy that's going to put the team on his back and go out there and just win football games for you. He's a guy that can help you win games, but you're not going to go out and win a lot of games because of Peyton Thorne. But he's also a guy that's not going to go out and lose you a bunch of games the way that Robbie Ashford did last year. The way I would look at it in this battle between Thorne and Ashford is that Ashford has the higher ceiling 
but his floor is way lower than Peyton Thorne's. Like Peyton Thorne has a much higher floor than what Robbie Ashford does because he has that experience. He has that stability. He, he can actually hit open receivers, you know, that novel concept. He's never going to be dynamic. He doesn't have that kind of skill set. He doesn't have that type of athleticism. He doesn't have that type of arm talent, but he can hit open receivers. He can go through progressions. He can help you keep the chains moving and give you chances to win games in a way that Robbie Ashford simply did not last year. He's a hell of an athlete, but Auburn went into most games they played last season having to overcome their deficiencies at quarterback. There was not one single game last year that Auburn won because of Robbie Ashford. In fact, the games that they did win, they won in spite of him. Now, Thorne has not been named the starter. My expectation is that he will win the job, but this is a battle that will play out through fall camp, and hell, it might even go into the early portions of the season. We'll see how that works out. Eventually, Hugh Freeze is going to have to go with somebody and based on his experience and, and based on, again, the stability that he offers Auburn that, that Robbie Asher really just hasn't shown that he can match, I project Thorne to be the guy. But here's the one caveat I will throw out there. Robbie Ashford is a supremely talented athlete. And if they can figure out a way to harness what he does well, he he's not ready, in my opinion, right now to go out there and be a guy that's going to throw the ball over the field. He's not that kind of guy right now. Maybe he can grow into that in the future. He's, again, he's got a really strong arm. But I do believe that there's a path for him to maybe win this job if Auburn is willing to really build their offense around the RPO game, the quick passing game, the quarterback run game. If that's the direction they want to go because they just want to keep that type of athleticism on the field, I think there's a way to work around his deficiencies. They just weren't really willing to do that last year. And honestly, he was just so bad that there wasn't really any way to work around. No matter what you tried to do, no matter what you tried to do to scheme better opportunities for him, it just wasn't going to work because he was just that bad. But if he can just improve enough to work some RPO action and be able to make those simple reads, then I do think there's there's an outside chance he could win the job. But right now, I, I still believe that Thorne is the odds-on favorite to, to ultimately win that job coming out of fall camp. But it's not a done deal. All right, let's move along here. Now, while quarterback, in my opinion, was the primary issue for Auburn last year on offense, a very uninspiring receiving core certainly did not help matters. But Hugh Freeze, again, with the transfer portal, you can go out and address things immediately. That's exactly what he did. He aggressively addressed their deficiency at wide receiver by going out and adding a quartet of receivers from the transfer portal. Now, guys, Auburn's receiving core has been among the very worst in the SEC for two or three years now. It has been very, very bad. In fact, their best receiver from 2021, Kobe Hudson, transferred to UFC last season and was basically MIA for the Knights last year. Like He wasn't really an impact player for UCF, and he was their best receiver back in 2021. That's how bad things had gotten for Auburn at the receiver position. So as bad as Ashford was last year, he certainly didn't have any help either. But with those four transfer additions, I really do believe that the situation at receiver for Auburn entering this season is far brighter than it was a year ago. And the four guys they brought in were a guy named Nick Mardner, Caleb Burton, Jair Shorter, and a guy named Shane Hooks. Let's talk about each one of those guys here real, real quickly. Now, Mick, Nick Mardner is a guy that has spent most of his career at Hawaii. Uh, he's 6'6", 215. He's a bigger body kind of possession receiver. He had 913 yards receiving at Hawaii back in 2021. He transferred to Cincinnati last year and really was a non-factor and had just a little over 200 yards receiving. He's now transferred over to Auburn. Gives them, gives them some size out there on the perimeter. Caleb Burton is an Ohio State transfer. He's an interesting prospect. 
it might be a similar case to Jamison Williams. Now, I'm not going to call this guy Jamison Williams. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying he's going to be. I don't know that. But the situation is kind of similar to what you saw with Jamison Williams. Williams was a guy at Ohio State that really couldn't crack that rotation, but he was a highly talented, highly talented, highly touted high school prospect that just couldn't get the opportunity he wanted at Ohio State. So he transfers to Alabama, has a hell of a year, and turns himself into a high NFL draft pick. Now, it remains to be seen if Caleb Burton is that type of talent, but he is a former top 150 national recruit with really high upside that transferred to Auburn for the very same reason that Jamison Williams transferred to Alabama. He was simply unable to crack that really extremely talented Ohio State receiver rotation when he was a freshman last season. So he's a really interesting prospect to watch out, watch out for. He's a smaller guy. He's like 5'10", 5'11", like 155, 160 pounds, a really small guy, but gives Auburn a lot of speed that can maybe help them take the top off the of defense. Another guy they brought in is a guy from North Texas. His name is Jair Shorter. This guy's splits last year were crazy. He only caught 23 passes a year ago, but almost half of them, 11 of those 23 receptions, went for touchdowns. In fact, he averaged 27.3 yards per catch for the Mean Green last year. And he's going to give Auburn another option to help take the top off of defenses in 2023. And that's something they did not have last year. They did not have that guy that could take the top off of defense and pose that home run threat outside. They simply didn't have it. And then the most recent addition to the receiver room from the transfer portal is a guy by the name of Shane Hooks. They added him really late. They added him in May, late May. And Hooks was Jackson State's leading receiver in basically every receiving category last year. I will be honest with you, I did not watch one single second of Jackson State last year, so I cannot really give you an educated opinion on this guy's skill set and what he brings to the table. What I can tell you is that he's 6'4", 190, and everything I've read about him is that he is kind of the total package at receiver. Now, that's all secondhand. Again, I have not seen that because I didn't watch Jackson State last year. Kind of hard to find those guys on TV. I guess although they were on TV more than they have been at any point in their previous history with Dion there. But he's a guy that led them in basically every major receiving category. Did not go to Colorado. Did not follow Dion in Colorado. Ends up at Auburn. So like Burton, he's another really intriguing prospect for Auburn at receiver this season. And then among the guys who were on the team last year, Javarius Johnson was their leading receiver. He had a little over 600 yards receiving last year. He was fine. He was okay. Again, their receiving core was one of the worst in the SEC last year. He was okay. But he does return as Auburn's leading receiver, and at least he'll give him some depth there at that position at the very least. But I do think it's fair to say that Hugh Freeze in one season has gone out and really upgraded Auburn's weapons at receiver and given whoever wins the job at quarterback a lot of options to work with this season. And those guys are going to get plenty of work. I know that they they don't have this roster built out fully the way that they want to, but Freeze brought in a guy named Philip Montgomery to be Auburn's offensive coordinator this year. Now, this guy might not mean anything to you. He's been most recently the head coach at Tulsa, got fired after last season, didn't really work out there for him as a head coach. But if you go back to his history prior to that as an offensive coordinator, he comes from the Art Bryles tree. So he was with Bryles back at Houston and then followed him to Baylor. And then he was promoted to the full-time offensive coordinator and he was the, the primary play caller from 2012 through 2014. In those three seasons, Baylor finished number one or number two in total offense all three seasons and finished number one in scoring offense nationally in two of those three seasons. This guy has coordinated some of the most explosive offenses in the recent history of college football. 
Now, he also had RG3 back there running the show, so that certainly helped. But the fact is, he has produced some really, really explosive, high-profile offense at the Power 5 level. And if you remember those Baylor offenses with those Art Bryles teams, think about those offenses. Very, very similar to what Tennessee runs. Really, really wide receiver splits, extreme receiver splits. They wanted to run the football, establish the run, force defenses to add bodies to the box and create one-on-one matchups outside that favor the offense and then push the ball vertically down the field. Sound like somebody you know? Yeah, that's Tennessee. So these receivers in this new Philip Montgomery offense are going to get a lot of opportunities to go out there and make plays. Now, do they have the quarterback to help them and allow them to make those plays? That certainly remains to be seen. That's why I do think that Peyton Thorne is going to be the guy ahead of Robbie Asher, no matter how dynamic Asher is with his legs. In this offense, you've got to be able to throw the football and push down the field with accuracy. And Ashford has simply not shown the ability to do that. But with these receivers that they brought in from the transfer portal in Philip Montgomery's offense with a new quarterback that I project to win the job in Peyton Thorne, I do believe the Auburn passing game is going to take a pretty big step forward this year. But the problem is... I do not think their running game will be nearly as effective as it was last season. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Number one, they do lose their leading rusher and the guy who is clearly their best running back in Tank Bigsby. You have to start there. But the other part of this is if Robbie Ashford does not win the quarterback job and he is not a factor in this Auburn offense this season, there's no getting around it. That will be a huge blow to the Auburn rushing attack because as good as Bigsby was last year, Ashford's presence made him even more effective because of what it allowed Auburn to do in the numbers game and gaining the numbers advantage in the box and being able to hold defenders with option reads. Ashford's dynamic ability with his legs absolutely made the Auburn rushing attack far more dangerous than it would have been without him. So if you take their leading rusher out of the equation and take Bigsby, who's going on to the NFL, you take their second leading rusher out of the equation in Robbie Ashford, who opened up a lot of room for Auburn's backs last year, it's hard to imagine that they're going to be as effective running the football as they were. And guys, they were effective running the football last year. They couldn't throw the ball to save their lives, but they were a top 30 rushing offense last season. I mean, they were they were 18th in rushing yards per game last year and 27th in yards per rush. They ran the ball for 300, I think it was 319 yards against Alabama in the Iron Bowl last year. That was the most rushing yards that a Nick Saban Alabama team has given up in his entire tenure in Tuscaloosa. They could have run the damn ball last year. They just simply couldn't throw it. But this year, I just don't think they're going to be able to run the ball near as effectively as they did last year. I don't think that they're necessarily going to be bad running the football. I just don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. Now, it's going to be a very different offense. They were much more pro style in their approach last year. They ran a lot of gap scheme stuff. They ran some some zone scheme stuff as well, but they ran a lot of gap scheme stuff. Were very pro style in how they in how they built that offense. This year will be a lot different. Now, one of the misnomers with like the, the the Baylor Art Bryles offense, Josh Heupel Tennessee offense, one of the misnomers with that style offense is that they don't run the football. That's not true. They absolutely do run the football. Running the football sets up everything they want to do, pushing the ball vertically down the field. So they will run the football. The run game just won't be as varied. And again, as I keep coming back to, if Ashford is not the starting quarterback, they're not going to have that threat from under center that's going to open up a lot more for the running backs. The guy who's going to be the feature back from this year is a dude by the name of Jarquez Hunter. He's been really impressive for Auburn in a complimentary role to Tank Bigsby over the past two seasons. And now it's his time to be the guy. Now, he's kind of a bowling ball type back. He's got really good contact balance. He's not the most explosive back. He looks 
rather small in stature, but he's he's one of those guys that's short but not small. He he's pretty thick and well built. He runs low to the ground, really good pad level, has a great feel for where the holes are gonna be, allows his blockers to set things up for him. He really isn't an overwhelming athlete. Like he's not an elite athletic type guy. But he does a lot of the other things that elite running backs do that really make him an effective player. So he's a good player. He's not Tank Bixby. If he was, he would have started over Bixby last year, the last couple years, but he didn't. But still, he's a good player. I just have questions about how effective is he he going to be when you don't have that option at quarterback to make your life easier as a running back. And the other part of this is they don't have a Jarquez Hunter to Tank Bixby this year. Like, who is going to be the Robin to Jarquez Hunter's Batman this year, the way that Hunter was the Robin to Bigsby's Batman the past couple years. Who's that guy going to be? I don't know if they have that guy on the roster right now. At least there's not a proven option that's going to be that guy. Maybe somebody will emerge, but we don't know who that is right now. And we don't know if that guy is on the roster. I will say this though for the Auburn running game. I do believe that they are going to have an improved offensive line this year. The offensive line has been an issue for Auburn for a couple of years now, just like the receiver core has been an issue. Like the Auburn offense has been bad for a couple of years. Uh huh. It's no mystery when your receiver core has been one of the worst in the SEC and your offensive line has been one of the worst in the SEC for a couple of years. It's tough to be good on offense when you don't have good receivers and you don't have much of an offensive line. But the offensive line is another position that Hugh Freeze really aggressively addressed in the transfer portal this year. Just like they brought in four new receivers from the portal, they also brought in four new offensive linemen. And the projections right now have at least three of those guys slated to start for the Tigers this year, potentially all four of them. The guys they brought in, they're not from big-time school schools, but these are guys with starting experience who have played at a fairly high level at G5 schools. Dylan Wade is probably the headliner of the group. There were some other high major schools, some other power five schools out there that were after this guy. He ends up going to Auburn. He uh, also came along with his teammate, Jade Muskrat, who are both, by the way, they're both Tulsa transfers. So they came with Philip Montgomery when he came over from Tulsa to Auburn this year. So that's why they ultimately ended up landing those guys. But Wade is a guy that there were some other SEC programs that were after. He is going to slot in for them at left tackle. Muskrat is, is the fourth guy of this group that he has a shot to start. He's a guard. He's going to be in contention. He'll have to battle for a starting job in fall camp. But right now, that's kind of up in the air. But Dylan Wade is going to start for them at left tackle. And then you got Avery Jones, who's going to be their starter at center. He, come, he comes over from East Carolina. Gunnar Britton was another fairly highly sought-after guy in the transfer portal out of Western Kentucky. So you add those three guys together, Wade, Jones, Britton, all three of those guys right now going into fall camp are projected to start for Auburn, with Muskrat also having an outside chance to potentially find his way in the starting lineup as well. So Auburn could potentially have four new stars in the offensive line, and all four of those guys have considerable experience at G5 schools. And I know that doesn't sound all that inspiring, but I promise you guys, that is an upgrade from what they had last year. So to wrap up the offense here for Auburn, when I look at this Auburn offense in totality heading into the 2023 season, what I see is first off an Auburn offense that will look very different from a schematic standpoint than it has the past two years under Brian Harson. You got to start there. It's just going to be a very different offense, a very different way of, of attacking defense. It's a very different structure. But with some significant additions at quarterback and wide receiver, I do expect the passing offense to take a considerable step forward this season. 
I don't think the run game will be as effective as it was last year. I don't expect them to be a, a top 20, top 30 caliber rushing offense, but I also don't feel like their rushing attack is going to completely fall off this year. It might not be as dynamic as it was last year without Bigsby and without Ashford in the lineup, but I still think with an improved offensive line, and Jarquez Hunter is a good back, I still think they can be effective enough running the football, especially considering there's going to be more room, more space to work with for these running backs when you factor in the extreme wide receiver splits that this Phil Montgomery offense likes to feature. Again, it's going to be a lot like the Tennessee offense. You might not have elite talent at running back, but those guys can still put up a lot of yards and still be very effective and productive for you because of the structure of the offensive system. So yeah, this is an offense that I could see jumping up from like 72 national last year inside the top 50. Now that's not going to win you championships. Again, going back to what I said at the outset of the show, this is not a team that's going to compete for championships this year, but this is an Auburn team that I think can surprise people and can exceed expectations and get to maybe seven or eight wins on the year. All right, let's flip things over to the defense here, guys. And I want to start with the secondary. Usually when I break down defenses, I like to start up front and work my way back. But I'm going to flip this thing around for Auburn this year. Because with all 11 players that played any snaps in the secondary for Auburn last year returning this season, the Auburn secondary absolutely projects to be the strength of their entire defense. And really, maybe even the most stable unit on the entire team. In fact, I would argue it is the most stable unit on this entire Auburn team. And it's going to give new defensive coordinator Ron Roberts, who comes over from Baylor, a degree of stability as he tries to put his stamp on this Auburn defense. Now, Ron Roberts is a guy that has worked with, in the past, he's worked with Pete Golding. He's most recently worked with Dave Aranda at Baylor. So he's worked with some respected defensive minds, but now he gets his chance to kind of go out on his own and do his thing. And this secondary is certainly going to help him make the transition to Auburn this year. As for some of the specific players in that Auburn secondary, I want to start with cornerbacks Nehemiah Pritchett and DJ James. Both these guys started for Auburn last year at corner, and both of them flirted with the idea of declaring for the NFL draft, but ultimately they both elected to return to Auburn for their final seasons of eligibility, and they give the Tigers one of the stronger cornerback duos in the entire SEC. They are experienced, they are talented, they play a lot of football for Auburn. I wouldn't say that either one of them are elite cornerbacks, but they are both very, very good and very, very experienced for Auburn, which is a great place to start in the secondary. They're also really solid at safety. There's a guy named Jalen Simpson who's a really intriguing prospect for them, really intriguing player. He's been around for a while at Auburn. He started off as a cornerback, but last year, late in the season, he kind of transferred to playing safety, and he played that position really well considering he kind of moved there late in his career. And I think he's a guy that has really tremendous upside at that position. He's still kind of new to that position, but he projects right now to be a starter back there with Zion Puckett, who returns for his third season as a starter on the Plains. And those guys together, Simpson and Puckett, I think they're going to form a really strong safety tandem for the Tigers. Again, it's kind of like cornerback. I don't think they're necessarily elite at safety, but they're good at safety. It's not a liability for them. Now, the pitcher on the front seven is not as promising for the Tigers. They have a lot to replace along the defensive line and at linebacker. In fact, they lost their most productive players from a year ago in that front seven, including leading tackler Owen Papo, who I think was at Auburn for like 18 years, and their top two pass rushers in Derek Hall and Colby Wooden. All three of those guys are gone. And that is alarming for a team that really wasn't good defensively last year. I mean, they finished 96 nationally in rush defense a year ago. And that was with Papo and Derek Hall and Colby Wooden. And they're supposed to be 
better this season? That's a little bit of a stretch, man. I mean, this is an Auburn team that gave up nearly 30 points a game last year. And again, you're losing your leading tackler and your top two pass rushers. And all of a sudden, you're going to be better? You're going to keep teams from scoring as much as they did last year? I'm not going to say that's impossible with a new defense coordinator and some of the additions that they've added from the transfer portal, but there's no guarantee. I'm certainly skeptical when you lose some of those impact players like that and you weren't good last year and you expect to be better this year. We'll see how that works out. But once again, Hugh Freeze attacked the transfer portal to try to address those deficiencies in the front seven. And he hit a home run with one of the guys. Maybe the biggest transfer they landed from the entire portal this cycle was Justin Rogers. I mean that literally and figuratively. He's a huge guy. He's a nose tackle who plays in the middle of their defense. He played at Kentucky. He was originally an offensive line recruit. Some of you might remember him from a couple of years back. We recruited him heavily. Some, some teams were recruiting him as a defensive lineman. Some as an offensive lineman. He was from Michigan. Ends up going to Kentucky and plays defensive line there. It was a, an impact player for Kentucky in the middle of their defense. Now he's transferred to Auburn and he's going to insert right there in the middle of that Auburn defense and be an anchor for them on that defensive front. He really might prove to be the most impactful transfer of all the guys that they took from the portal. And they took 20 dudes from the portal this year. Justin Rogers might prove to be the best of the bunch. I mean, he was a top 100 national recruit. He's the kind of guy that Kentucky usually doesn't get. That was a really big recruiting win for Mark Stoops. And he was effective. He was a really good player for Kentucky. But now he's gone. And Auburn's going to benefit from the way that Kentucky was able to develop him the past couple of years. So that's going to help stabilize the middle of the Auburn defense, but I still have some questions about what they're going to do on the edge with their pass rushers. Again, losing Hall, losing Wooden, those are those are impactful players that you have to replace. And so to try to replace those guys, Auburn, again, yes, went to the portal. You, you get the theme here, right? They added a guy named Mosiah Nasili Kite, who amassed 14 and a half sacks over three seasons at Maryland. Uh, and Jalen McLeod, who's a guy they got from Appalachian State, he had 12 and a half tackles for loss, nine sacks in three years at Appalachian State. But neither one of those guys were full-time starters. They they were rotation players, and they had their moments. Again, you know, 14 and a half sacks over three seasons, that's solid. That was what, about five sacks a year for Nasili Kite and about three sacks a year for McLeod. So they're, they're not garbage players, but I would also say I don't think that they have shown to this point that they are the caliber players that Hall and Wooden were. And then an inside linebacker, it's kind of the same story. Yeah, they they went into the portal and added some guys, but are these impact players? They added a guy named Austin Keys from Ole Miss, who was essentially a career reserve for the Rebels. He was never really a, a full-time starter for, for Ole Miss. Was a guy that, that played for them, but was a guy that saw spot duty. He was in the rotation for them at inside linebacker. So is he a guy where the light's just going to magically come on because he transfers to Auburn this year? Maybe, but again, I would say it's more likely that that's not the case. And then they added another guy from North Texas. His name is Larry Nixon III. He started 24 games over four seasons. So he does have more start experience than Keyes does, but he also was not a major impact player at North Texas. Now he's going to come to Auburn and all of a sudden he's going to magically insert into the middle of their defense and be an impact player for the Tigers. Again, maybe, but there is no guarantee that's going to be the case. So when I look at what Auburn has done in the front seven, outside of Justin Rogers, what they've done is they've added a bunch of depth and a bunch of solid players to the front seven, but they're still very short on impact guys in the front seven of that defense. And in the league that I think is still very much centered around trench play, I think that has to be concerning for Auburn this year. 
Again, they were just inside the top 100 in rush defense last year. You lose three of your most productive and impactful players out of that front seven, and you replace them with a bunch of guys who are solid-ish, but have never shown their careers to be any sort of impact players, and you expect to all of a sudden improve? I find that to be a stretch. So to wrap this thing up today, I want to go back to what I said at the outset of the show. I do believe in this Auburn team. Again, I don't believe them as a national title contender. I believe in them as a team that can go out and exceed expectations, win seven or eight games, and make the Auburn faithful feel a lot better about the direction of the program. And I believe that for a couple of reasons. Number one, Hugh Freeze is just a better coach than Brian Harson. He's a better fit for Auburn. He's a better fit for the SEC. He's a better recruiter. He's going to make that ro- roster healthier almost immediately. He's not going to have the drama behind the scenes with the boosters that Brian Harson did that kind of plagued his tenure and certainly created a significant distraction for that team each of the past two years, especially last season when the boosters clearly tried to run him off during the 2022 offseason. There's just more alignment in the program right now, and Hugh Freeze is just simply a more proven commodity in the SEC than Brian Harson was. He's been there. He's done that. He knows how to win in this league. He knows what it takes. Hell, he's beaten Nick Saban. He's beaten Kirby Smart. His presence alone will make Auburn better this year. I think Freeze is probably good for a win or two just himself. I mean, if you would have inserted him as the head coach of that Auburn team last year instead of Brian Harson, if they would have flipped roles, I don't think Auburn only wins five games last year. I don't think they win like nine or ten. I think they probably win at least six or seven. So yeah, Hugh Freeze alone in charge of the program, I think changes things for Auburn this year. And then you add in the fact that they bring in Peyton Thorne from Michigan State, who was never an elite quarterback and won't be an elite quarterback for Auburn this year, but he will be more competent than what they had last year. He'll bring more stability to the to the offense and to that position and will allow them to actually complete the forward pass in a way they simply just weren't able to last year. They went out and improved both the receiver room and the offensive line room in the transfer portal. And then they bring in an offensive coordinator in Philip Montgomery, who spearheaded some of the most explosive offenses of the past 15 years in college football. All of that leads me to believe that they are going to be significantly improved on offense this year. There are some legitimate questions about the defensive front seven, but they do bring back every single starter from the secondary last year, and they bring in a highly respected defensive coordinator in Ron Roberts to coordinate everything. So yeah, I do think this Auburn team is going to be improved this year. I do think that they're going to go over six or six and a half wins. In fact, I already have a win total bet on Auburn to go over six wins this year. The schedule doesn't do them any favors. I mean, when you have Georgia and Alabama on your schedule every year, it's always going to be an uphill battle for you. But then you throw in LSU, they have to go to Baton Rouge. And I think they've they've won in Baton Rouge once in the past 20 years. They have to go to Texas A&M. I think A&M is going to be improved this year. So I think that's probably a loss for them. But that's also not a game that they can't possibly find a way to win. I think there's probably three sure losses on this Auburn schedule. I would say Georgia, LSU, and Alabama. Although weird things happen in the Iron Bowl when it's played in Auburn. So, I mean, you can never say never there. A&M, I'm close to saying, is a sure thing loss because they're just so talented. But Jimbo Fisher is still their head coach, and I simply cannot unsee what I saw last year. So I'm going to say three for sure losses. They're going to beat UMass. They're going to beat Cal. They're going to beat Samford. Uh, I think they're going to beat Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State might be one of the two worst teams in the league this year. They're going to win at Vanderbilt. So that's five wins there. They're going to beat New Mexico State. That's six wins. And then there's some toss-up games you've got at Arkansas right now. I'd probably lean Arkansas there, but that's a game that Auburn could feasibly win. Ole Miss at home, I think Ole Miss is a better team. But again, in Jordan-Hare, that's a game that 
Auburn could feasibly win. So if they can split those two games, they can split Ole Miss and Arkansas, I think they get to at least seven wins. And then the A&M game, yeah, I think that's probably a loss there. But again, also not completely out of the question they could win that game, not the way that like Georgia and Alabama and LSU are for me. So yeah, it's not going to be a, a great Auburn team, but I think this is going to be a seven or eight win Auburn team. But all right, guys, that is all I've got for you today. I've actually got to get out of here, man. I got to get to bed. I'm heading out on uh, one last vacation tomorrow. I'll be gone for about a week. So I hate to do this to you guys. I know in the months of July and August, traditionally, we always produce three episodes a week. And I tried my best to make that happen for you guys. I really did. But this week, I'm only going to be able to get two episodes out to you because I'm going to be gone. I tried to to record three episodes before I left, but there's just so much going on right now. I'm trying to get packed, get everything ready to go, reservations, all that stuff. And then recording these episodes and, and doing all the film breakdowns, writing for Dogs Daily, all that stuff. Time just got away from me and I couldn't make it happen. I'm ashamed of myself. I apologize to you guys profusely. I hate to let you down like that. But we will be back with three episodes a week next week. And... I'm also working on a special project for you guys that I should be able to give you some more information on within the next week or so. I've been in the lab trying to figure out some ways to get some extra content out to you guys based on a lot of your requests, and uh, I'm getting closer to being able to roll that out. It's, it's taken a lot of legwork, but I'm getting closer, and I hope once I get back from vacation here early next week that I'll be able to give you guys some more information on that and start to roll that stuff out. So I'm excited about it. I, I hope that you guys are going to ultimately end up liking it. I think you will. But I'll give you some more information on that next week. But um, all right, guys, I'm out of here. I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of the week. I will be back next week. We'll get this thing rolling, previewing the 2023 season once again. I mean, damn, we've got media days next week, guys. We've got SEC media days, so we'll have plenty of stuff to cover from that next week. We'll have another Sky the Enemy episode. We'll have Kentucky next week, and life will be good. But I got to get out of here because I got an early wake-up call tomorrow. But uh, have a great weekend, guys. I'm Tyler, and as always... Go dogs!